Welcome to another exciting edition of the Dr. Funk Podcast. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. I have my special guest co-host again, Dave Hampton, here with us. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> What's hope, going on, Dave? I hope the audio's better this time. Yeah, we're going to get it up. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher and Podcast FM. We appreciate it. We always appreciate donations. We'll get into that at the end. Uh, thank you guys so much. We're going to kick it off again. We have Dave Hampton here as our special guest as we get on the mic. Yeah. How you doing, Dave? Man, I'm doing good, doing good. Just just been uh, taking my days uh, slowly here. I've been recuperating. I had a little surgery a little while ago, and so I've been taking it easy and uh, exercising quite a bit, and I just got the ability to go back in the pool, and so I'm start swimming again i'll be playing tennis shortly and getting my strength back but that's I'm good doing good man i'm very blessed to be here and very fortunate to have some great doctors and some even better medical coverage so that's a good thing to have <laughs> exactly and being able to use the pool right now because it's about to be 100 degrees again <laughs> exactly this weekend exactly ridiculous so we had just to kick off stuff we had two tremendous losses in the comedy world we had one Jerry Lewis that passed on yeah. Sunday, but we had Dick Gregory, who yeah. basically was a trailblazer for a lot, not to disrespect Jerry Lewis in any way, but this is a Prince podcast and there's something that plays into it. Yeah. You know, Dick Gregory was a pioneer of so many things and an inspiration for Prince on one song, but Dave, I'm having to go into it. You said you were studying Dick Gregory in high school? Yeah, and in uh, eighth grade, we had a teacher who... We he brought in the book No More Lies, which was a Dick Gregory book, and and uh, we, that was our reading that we did throughout the year. But it was you right. know real cool. That was my I had heard him earlier because my dad was a big uh, record collector, and before you even heard a Bill Cosby record, most people had Dick Gregory records, and Dick Gregory was a very right. intellectual comic during the fifties and sixties, and he probably was the first groundbreaking comic that allowed Bill Cosby to do what he did. Because, uh, you know, Dick Gregory was the first one in clubs, the first one in, in doing stuff. In fact, when I finally met him later, much later in life, I met him at the Playboy Mansion, you know, and I, uh, I had to go up to him because I'm going like, this is history right here. You right. know, and I said, hey, man, I just had to come shake your hand and just say I really appreciate everything you did. And I told him about reading the book when I was in eighth grade and uh, he handed me his card, man. I still have it to this day, his, his Dick Gregory card. And I was like, oh, right. it's cool, you know. But he's just real. I, I always loved his form of comedy because he's just a thinking person, you know. And and I really liked the fact that he, he would just state the obvious. But he did it in such a disarming way, again, for the time that he came along. Right. You can appreciate his delivery because it, you had to make your point in such a, a very subtle way and then move on to the next so that you didn't, you didn't real the masses didn't realize they were being ridiculed at the same time they were being entertained. Right. And, uh, but Jerry Lewis is just as good too, man. I I, look, Jerry Lewis's physical comedy alone is just phenomenal. I was just watching something the other day from his typewriter skit to a couple of the other things that he he was doing just a, a way ahead of his time and total commitment to what he was doing. Right. And that, that's something I always enjoyed about his movies. I think, their losses, you know, in particular, so close. But 
it made me go back and, and just want to digest the Jerry Lewis experience. And I hadn't really seen those movies since I was uh, a lot younger. And, and I just enjoyed them because it was just it, it was just funny for the sake of, of physical comedy done correctly is very humorous. Right. And you had Cinderella, the original oh, Nutty yeah. Professor, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. But he love. <laughs> and then with Dick Gregory, uh, he was the inspiration for Prince's Grammy name, Grammy nominated song Dreamer from the Lotus Flower MPLS sound disc. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Dick Gregory was the inspiration for that. And you'd have, you know, so many people were saying this week how Prince Adrian Crutchfield, one of the younger sax players, and even Hannah Ford Walton, the mm-hmm. drummer for Third Eye Girl, was saying that Prince would make them watch Dick Gregory comedy specials and yeah. other things going on. Another interview with Tavis Smiley. So Dick yeah. Gregory played into a really great song by Prince called Dreamer. Mm-hmm. So both of them will be missed big time. Yeah. I but, think if you, you know, we were talking about it last time, but the same thing when we were talking about the delivery of early soul singers, I think if you watch Dick Gregory's delivery and understand that Prince was a student, he studied that a lot because when he was doing interviews and stuff, he could he could say a very few words but really make a point very well. And between the physicality of a look at the right time and the, and the right words, he could say a lot by saying a little. Right. You know. Now, another thing that happened over the weekend that started making news. First, Questlove posted a photo of what was the group that was going to be called the Hookers, where it was Jamie Shoup instead of Vanity, and then Susan <laughs> Muncy's sister was in it. Then people were like, oh, wow. But this photo actually came from a new memorabilia auction of Prince material from like 79 through the 2000s. I know that you saw some of it. But I know you said this also before regarding auctions. What were your thoughts on seeing these auction items and what are your thoughts on auctions when it comes to Prince memorabilia? Um, like especially the personal stuff. Well, the personal stuff, you know, I, I think it's it, it, it's especially depending upon where it's from and what area, you know, it all has a story. And I, I'm assuming that people are doing it for whatever reason. There right. are some things, though, though that I have seen. Not this time around, but I, uh, a couple, man, maybe maybe about a, a year or so ago, there was an auction house out here in L.A. that had an online thing, and one of the things that was up was an American Music Award. Right. And I had a real problem with that because I remember all of his awards being in the cases where they were at Paisley the last time I saw them. Right. And I also remember that we put inventory tags on all those. Uh-huh. And then I also know from the other side of this, which is the the asset side, which we talked about last time, that in the case of when someone passes of this caliber, there is a special document that you must have in order to prove that, in fact, that object or whatever it is, is yours and it was got through honest means and if not and it was taken off site anything that was taken off site at any time without a special way to track it uh, it it just is an object that's out there with no story attached and so it gets really it gets really murky there sometimes but you know i i really think um people are going to do what they do the 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 are they it's it's a real rough question you know because Right. 
if they held on it for this long, I would hope that it was for some meaning. And if it all it means is that everybody wants to try and, and get get some paper for it, then you know. Now, do you believe some of the certain things that some of these people like feel that, you know, he kind of gave it to him like, oh, here's your retirement fund or retirement plan. Because I know that he was loose with stuff because there's stuff in my possession that I have and I let him know through someone that I had it and it wasn't anything of like, hey, can you give it back to me? Right. But he was aware of the right. things I have. You know, I... I you know, look. There's, there's no, there's no artifact police. Obviously, that's going to come whispering around the corner. But right. with, I think, with everything else that's gone on, it's very hard to see organized things on the outside, like uh, auctions for items, and we haven't seen the structure on the inside. It would be different if on the inside we saw structure and everything was. 100% you know moving in that direction you know what I mean and then there was a track record for oh okay cool so they're gonna have right. an auction coming up it would just it would just be another milestone event that happens in in the lifespan of someone passing and leaving us and then things moving on I think the disruptive thing probably is that so much still needs to be put into shape on the home front that um, right when we see the 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 regular world catch on and all of a sudden oh wow his stuff's available at the auction house you're like yeah. wait a minute is the barn door open is anybody watching the cows come out you know what what's going on so i think i think that's maybe the uneasiness uh uh that i that i that i feel but uh at the end of the day man look you know we as much as we have our individual feelings about anything if people have objects and they feel like they want to let them go and this is the the way to do it and and obviously if uh, the family or whoever else doesn't want to doesn't have any question about it and, and then hey man uh, it, it's gonna happen and and uh but i think for me if you if you want to know for me what do i think i think it's a it's a very uncomfortable time still and and if he meant something to you and the objects meant something to you and hey, maybe maybe he meant it hey this is your retirement maybe he understood that it was going to be a value you know so right you know he was he was very like i said he's very uh very very uh intentional so. right i mean there's some stuff and i've seen what goes for the most usually personalized letters or notes right, right. there's one to madonna so i'm sure it's gonna go for a lot the other ones i see at the last year's auction were going for fourteen thousand right. dollars so here i am talking about struggling and i'm trying to get myself a, a used car and i got <laughs> stuff here that would help me get a new car but i'm just like those are things that i just don't think he'd want me right. to part with right, right now so I'm struggling, and you try to get your hustle on, but $14,000 for a note that right. print, it's for instance, hey, Dave, can you fix this? Yeah, I, I never, you know? I never got kept it. stuff like that right. for that very reason that I felt like the, that's his thing. Is it his writing? Yes, it's his writing, but I just don't feel that that uh, if, I, if I'm doing my job and I'm collecting artifacts, Right. As I'm doing my job, then I'm not focusing on my job, and maybe that's wrong. But I, you know, I'm not the kind that's ever fanned out over the right. people I work with. I think uh, now, I mean, that doesn't, you know, when I first started doing stuff there, and he would throw guitar picks all over the floor, I would just get frustrated. Inevitably, I would be trying to just keep things so 
orderly that I was like, at the end of the day, I would have guitar picks in my pocket. And, I, you know, you take all this stuff out. So I inevitably have a bunch of picks, but they're all things where, you know, they go through them and throw it on. And, and, and it was just a thing of finding the right one. Right. And so, but I just saw it as, man, I just, you know, I want to keep the place at attention. So I just didn't want to see shit on the floor. So, right. you know, but it was, uh, you know, and I imagine guitar picks probably go for a lot. And, and, and you know, but yeah, I, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that kind of thing. I'm not going to retire on picks. Okay? Right. So <laughs> I, I like some of the photos that they showed. I like photos. Yeah. And I'll save the photos. But it's like there's a lot of stuff. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. OK. And some people were really wanting the stuff at Paisley, like especially outfits that he wore that were famous. But it is what it is. He left it with that person. That's what they want to do with it. Yeah. Um, now, another thing that's happening that was announced, mm-hmm. just kind of going through orderly of the week, um, early in the morning, Monday morning, uh, 21 days at the O2 direct from Paisley Park. My name is Prince, the official exhibition. Now, it's described as as this was the news put out that this October we'll see the world premiere of the first ever official exhibition about iconic superstar and legendary performer Prince opening on October 27, 2017 at the O2 in London, mm-hmm. which Prince did do 21 nights in London in 2007. Uh, my name is Prince. We'll give fans a chance to get up close and personal with the music legend's life and work at this limited 21-day retrospective. Stay tied into the 21 nights from before, and it will celebrate the legacy of one of pop music's most influential figures, Prince Rogers Nelson. Tickets for this exclusive exhibition go on sale August 25th. And I would also say my name is Prince. We'll showcase hundreds of never-before-seen artifacts direct from Baisley Park, Prince's famous Minnesota private estate. Visitors will get a unique insight into the life, creativity, and vision of one of the most naturally gifted recording artists of all time. Fans visiting My Name is Prince will have the chance to witness awe-inspiring exhibits, including instruments, stage outfits, awards, handwritten song lyrics, hopefully those don't end up in auctions, artifacts leaving Paisley Park for the first time. This unique exhibition include clothing from the 84-85 Purple Rain Tour and the 88-89 Love Sexy Tour, wardrobe from the 1990 film Graffiti Bridge, his Gibson L65 guitar that Prince used when he made his national television debut on American and back, on American Bandstand back in 1980. Mm. It was also used on the Dirty Mind Tour. They also had the original bass that was the inspiration for the Cloud guitar. Plus, the Orange Cloud guitar made for Prince's 2007 Super Bowl halftime performance used during the Earth Tour in 2007. I thought that was an orange Stratocaster, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But I'd have to see it and see if mm-hmm. it was used. It also has a third eye sunglasses from 2014, which I know was used, mm-hmm. and a diamond studded cane from 2015. Wow. So they're getting mighty close there on some stuff. Yeah. Clothing worn during the 2007 31 21 shows, 21 nights, the O2 shows, and many more. A diamond vest worn during his 2013 V magazine shoot. Uh, which was part of the Third Eye Girl era. The Raspberry Beret Cloud Suit from 85 will also be making the trip. And uh, it's letting it known that this is going to be a limited 21-day engagement reflecting the 21 unprecedented record-breaking sold-out concerts that Prince played at the O2 in August and September 2007, a record that still stands today. And we'll get into this. Prince's siblings, some will visit London in October for the opening exhibition, said, Our family is extremely honored to have this exhibit at the O2, and we know Prince would be as well. 
He loved to share his work and life with his fans. We know him as a brother who became not only one of the most prolific songwriters of all time, but an entertainer and musician who is unlike any other. It's only appropriate we share him and these amazing artifacts of the world now that he's gone. That's good. And then uh, lastly, Paisley Park's director of archives, Angie Marquise, said at Paisley Park, Prince constructed and inhabited a creative reality that was wholly unique, allowing him to fluidly develop music and artistic works spontaneously and without limitation. He envisioned Paisley Park as one day being open to the public. Through this exhibition, we are expanding his dream to share with a wider audience and allow visitors to the O2 in London to experience all his greatness through the artifacts direct from the Paisley Park archives. Now we'll get into some stuff that the family supposedly said mm-hmm. to some press. But what do you think of this exhibition? Because people have been wanting a traveling exhibition. Look, I think it's good. You know? This is this is part of what I was telling you before is the normal cycle of activity that happens when you have right. a, 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 a proper estate in place. This is what's called milestone events. So all over the world, every year, the, you know, if done correctly, the family should have a milestone calendar. Of, of, of a lot of things happening all over the world because he meant something to everybody all over the world. And right. so at different times, they celebrate different things and that those are different places that require everybody to be or possibly to send artifacts. So I think it is good to see it and it's good to see something so, so powerful as the 21 night experience because that right there was something unique in, in and to its own. And it was during that that last productive period of his, where right. he was just doing the doing you know doing the unheard of, uh, you know nights in a row, and, and and I think it's I think it's great. I think it's it's what needs to happen. More things like that need to happen that involve uh, uh, taking it on the road, that involve the family being present, that involve the artifacts and the things that were from his creative life, and that's how you celebrate someone, and that's how you create the legacy aspect of what needs to go on. So I'm all for it. Okay. Now, another thing that was said, two things. Uh, First was talking about how Taika is going to make sure that everything is in the vault eventually gets released before she dies. She's going to get everything out. Then you had former uh, MPG diva and member that has been associated with Prince for a while, Elisa Fiorillo, saying that he wouldn't want the vault touched. Although I do remember him in interviews as recent as 2012, saying that the vault will eventually be released. He may not be here for when that happens, but it will be done. Now, say if if there's certain things incomplete, we don't want Snoop Dogg or Jay-Z on the track or something being added, but there's a complete track or leaving it the way it is. Don't you think this material should get released videos, concerts that were professionally filmed and edited and finalized along with songs. Shouldn't this all be released? Uh, I, I think both sides have a point. I think and Prince had a point. Eventually he knows, he knows the nature of what happens when you're not around to quote unquote, watch your shit. Right. At the end of the day, uh, Lisa Ferriello has a point as well. There's a lot of stuff he didn't want out and he didn't want, uh, you know, released. I, and, uh-huh. I, and I'll just go from just my aspect in, in when we were recording during my era, my job wasn't complete till the end of the day, regardless of whatever engineer he chose to work with. 
at the end of the day, my responsibility was not only to save what we worked on, but to destroy the elements that we created that were not going to be used, but to destroy them that day. So understand that he came into understanding the digital age we're in and developed a way that we worked so that he was comfortable with what we were saving. That that was going to be the next point. We opened it up and moved on and worked. We weren't going to have a bunch of little bits lying around because he understood he understood how he wanted to make use of the technology and where it was at at that point. That being said, um, there are things that are unfinished. There are things that people are going to want to access. Music is always moving on. How music is used and how Prince is, is used, part of what makes his the vault and whatever is left valuable is not just whoever will give it permission uh Tyka or the or the family as a whole or whoever calls that shot right. but it is also how you go about making sure the world still values what he was about which means you have to be able to tell his story you have to be able to move from <coughs> beyond the point where we're at we're at a point where everything's trying to reassemble so you got to right. move past this point to being able to not only have milestone events like the O2 time in London and and the 21 night celebration but you've got to be able to look at the vault and go how are we using this to let the next generations know who he was what he was about so there's a way to use the old tunes there's a way to use the everything to create a way to educate because the way that people come into knowledge of music and knowledge of some of these things now is totally different. We have generations now who are being born who they don't necessarily know who the Beatles are. They don't necessarily know who Michael Jackson was. So those are are, are real things that occur. And so before you can say, well, we're just going to make sure it all gets out, you know, let's make sure that we also are seeding the, the world with renewed interest in who he was and why he was so important. Because I think just as important as his music are his rehearsals, are his other things where he was building. The rehearsals that were recorded show you the road to the perfection he delivered to the ticket buyer. Right? Yeah. The, the, the rehearsals that he recorded and the, the attempts to try this and the different state, it just showed you the commitment to somebody who had a vision. So it, it all works together to tell the story and they work as individual elements to tell the story. But you got to really sit around and figure from an educational standpoint, what do we have? From this standpoint, what do we have? And then musically, tell a story too. With the multi-tracks, there's a whole <coughs> other thing you can do to to make use of that. You know? right. and, and, and you know, when we answer these questions, it's like people always ask me, hey man, why do you say so much? Why do you say so much? Well, the reason why I say so much and and people think I'm giving away something, the bottom line is that by me saying it, Uh it speaks it into possibility of reality. There are people responsible for this thing who who have limited, if not minimal experience in trying to understand how to handle entertainment properties. It doesn't mean I know everything, but it just means that if I can say something that plants a seed, that gives an idea, that frees up a thought, that gets it to be considered as something more than 
than what it's doing now and it takes on the form of something solid then so be it it's not about oh i need to make this much money you know after i did the first interview with you uh somebody wrote when you had asked me how come i wasn't involved in the museum stuff and i you know i had mentioned that i didn't like the way i was approached they thought i meant because they didn't have money for me right okay and that's not it at all the money is not the principle of the thing. The, what it is is I felt that the approach that was taken was devaluing the financial position that at that point his estate was in, which was brand new. Nobody knew what it was or what it was worth. But the minute you go to the outside world, be it me or anybody else, and you start contacting them in a wrong way, you devalue and you, you, you cheapen what what people is what to, what is unknown to people and so therefore it makes you harder to to create worth in it right and so my my call out to them when i sent the letter to the attorneys when i did all that was just to say hey if this is really how you're going to represent this you might want to do a little bit different because this this is not really this approach and if i can spot it you know it, it might not be good for for the look might not right. be good look for our optics, as they say. But anyway, long story short, I, I just think it's 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 good that these things are happening. I think that both sides have it. Uh, Prince, at times, you know, when he finished something, we were finished. If he was working on it and he put it back in the vault, he put it back in the vault. There is things that he pulled out from the vault and brought in the studio that were done before our time. Uh. And he... And the way I look at that is that these are his ideas. Right. These songs songs are the, the children of the of the artist. And so when they bring a song incompleted out of the vault that they were working on from another time, it means that they feel inspired to use some of those elements right now. Right. I can't question that. I can't do anything but say, okay, cool. And at that point, if it turns into something and it gets completed, it's completed. Now, it might have been inspired 10 years before I got there, but it was completed because the other elements came in and he decided to use it. Right. That, that's his option. But I think at the point where they release it or they start dealing or doing what sometimes people do, which is um, typically in the, in large record companies that, that have their own vaults, they have people who are allowed to, certain select people I'll say who are allowed to walk through the vaults and create compilations and do this and that is one way in which a lot of material gets out but it's also a way in which you dilute the publishing because what you now have to do when you create an, anything new is you've got a whole new set of publishing things to do so for people who don't understand uh, the publishing aspect of it, it is a quick a quick lesson and this is why i said what i did last week about the empire situation in tv um you have a lot of people who contribute to the to the music and the ins and outs if a tv writer is also a songwriter in their free time most of the time they have a publishing deal which is anything that they write that gets on the show or whatever that, that somebody administers their publishing and somebody says, okay, you're going to get X amount of dollars because you're doing this work. When they write songs, they get this. Well, part of what their catalog is, their personal catalog as a writer, is everything that they've worked on. If you work on a show, and let's say the show is a special about somebody like Prince, 
and let's say they bring some music out from the vault that is owned right. and it and is authored by him um you automatically get on his catalog if you if you write something and use any track from that music you automatically are attached to prince's catalog hmm. what does that mean well it means you just drove the price of your music up in your publishing deal because you are now on a catalog with prince you hmm. have increased your value by just being in the same room as this activity and so much of what happens in tv along with just making the thing happen are the ballistics of how money is made now as work for hire in other words you do this job write me some music here this is how much you're going to make once they write it and they use it in the show and it airs it turns into special payments check and comes various times of the year right so artists writers people they live off of this this is their means of increasing their wealth so when i say that tv and film is an excellent wealth building opportunity it's like that not only for the writers but it's like that as well for npg there is some music that that npg has that isn't contested at all and they could probably actively use whatever they wanted and commingle it in anything they wanted to do without having to go through the red tape of Warner Brothers, this or that, and it's right. up to them to create that set of things to do. Again, why am I saying it? Because you know what? If they haven't thought about it, it's a good thing to think about because when you have a network opportunity like that, and it, even with what we were talking about with sports, why not take some, some something that you have and apply it to baseball? If somebody during Fox's baseball thing wants to use something related and you're currently in a music relationship with Fox, why not create another deal over with the sports people? Because they've got money for it, too. Right. You know. And we're going to get more into the vault with some other stories that happen later in the week. But right now, along with the 21 Nights that was mentioned for My Name is Prince exhibit, mm -hmm. Taika apparently said that they're going to make a hologram of Prince. Go right into it, man. You, the floor is yours. <laughs> Here, here's some tea. It's a little bit overbrimming. It's all yours. It's all mine. It. Well, yeah. I, I'm I'm not a fan of holograms. Uh, some time ago, a hologram people approached me and asked me if I would put the idea in front of him, and they would pay X amount of dollars, and I said no way. I wasn't in agreement with it. And didn't think it was. I thought it was professionally insulting. First of all, I, I would never do anything like that. And second of all, it insults the reality of who he was at the time they were doing it because he's alive at that point. This is during his life, right? Yeah. Um, he's an artist whose sole energy and everything he did, the intent, you know, when he was writing songs in the studio, the intent was that he's going to perform these. So the whole concept of let me figure out how I can not perform or let's take something and, and run it through the, the this is this. Uh, it's, it's very uncomfortable when you're working with somebody whose intent is to always go up there and deliver. You know what I'm saying? And so I didn't really see a, um, I didn't really see that it made sense and I didn't really see it was something I could do and be able to sleep. You know, right. that being said, um, I can't I can't throw stones at Taika because Taika has to make business decisions 
along with all the family members that are practical and and that makes sense for the longevity of what's going on. The only thing I can say is that if you're going to use something like that to memorialize him or create a vehicle, um, do it in a way where you you are truly in charge. The one of the things I didn't like about, and I don't even know if it was the same company, but one of the things I I noticed and I I didn't really understand about the way it was presented at the time is that it seemed like a very clever cleverly arranged conversation because here's here's what goes on if you have an artist and an artist has songs but the artist is no longer there then you have two things you're dealing with you're dealing with number one the artist songs and number two the image or likeness of the artist two different things if somebody controls the artist's songs but you cut a deal to control the image of the artist then how do you get to use the image of artists without eventually using the songs is cutting the deal for the image a green light to cut the deal for the songs i don't know but it seemed to me like a, a, a workaround right. and and that, that that was kind of the funny thing because I've worked closely with a lot of artists and they're very protective of their music so whenever something came up that was seeming to them like a workaround they're saying like at the end of the day you're trying to get me and the songs for one price right and so I, I you know it's just but these are just observations they're not criticism they're just observations and again I don't even right. know what company is but i just that those are the things that made it uncomfortable because for me a person in my role to present something to them is hey this is great or this is technology well all technology isn't good technology you know and just because something's there doesn't mean necessarily that that it's for that situation right and again but my time when this when this happened to me was when he was living yeah and so uh for her i would just say you know any anything that comes along that, that's going on it, it, if you're going right. to work with it you must control it it just it just and and it must be a clear and transparent conversation it cannot right. be an assumptive that if i have control of the image i'm going to get the songs no if you guys want to use his image then you cut a deal for the image and you cut a deal for the songs and you make sure that everybody gets their paper and that there's no discrepancy on anything. And then right. I think that's the way that it works. When there's no subterfuge and there's no hidden agenda and everybody has their, their stuff spelled out on the table. That, to me, seems like, okay, that's, that's the world we can live in. You know, right. that's, that's win-win. You know? See, it seemed to me that mm-hmm. the only time this hologram idea really worked was for a special thing for Tupac at Coachella and that was it now another thing with the hologram I think that she's being paid money to listen to their ideas so she has to act like she's interested but there's substantial evidence quotes from Prince himself Mm -hmm. and from other people around him that he was not cool with the hologram he didn't like how they did Michael Jackson he doesn't want it done Mm -hmm. but if they're willing to pay them money and right now the estate is still being divided including the vault which we'll get into again later i think she's just listening to ideas because they're paying her just to listen 
And it, you and, and you know what? If they're paying her to listen and that environment exists, then I'm all for her getting paid. Right. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. And and, and I, I'm all for her getting paid because because at the end of the day, um, that's part of the exercise too. That that um, you know, she's in a position now. All of them are in a position now where they have to consider pieces of business, and she has to actively go out there and 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 talk to people and figure out what's going on. And that's part of what that's part of what this world is about. Right. Okay. Uh, it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's not for us to put a judgment on. It's just we have experience and information from another time that's when he was alive which means and 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 i've seen look i've seen i've seen holograms and i've seen uh video imagery used when we see natalie cole do what she did with the video of her dad video but but that's the technology of the time right but understand it was still the same thing it was a very touching thing to see because it was done tastefully that was using technology in a musical way when we see it in the things of Tupac and we see it with MJ, I think the trouble I have with it is that if we get going down that road, we're now biting into the ticket sales and the the uh, money that's left on the table for true live performance of living musicians. Uh-huh. And there are enough live living musicians, famous and not famous, to really be able to still entertain people. So I would hate to see promoters get so intensely juiced up by the ability to go around and do uh, compilation hologram concerts where they don't have to pay real musicians, but instead right. they just pay a licensing fee to, re- to play CDs real loud and run video of somebody who's almost there like a magic trick, and then everybody comes out, and we had them all alive for one night. You know, I, I, that's the that's the ultimate of, uh, OK, we've gone too far. We're jumping the shark at this point. Right. You know, and so I, I don't really know if, if that needs to happen. But look, I'm all for anything. And I said this before, I'm all for anything, any structured business that's going to come at them and give them an opportunity to get firmly on solid ground uh, as a family. I'm, I'm all for it, you know. And another thing, when the MPG performed at the celebration, this year at Paisley Park. Mm-hmm. The last two songs, they had a video footage of Prince, one for Kiss and one for Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and they had a sound isolate, which we know that Scotty Baldwin helped out with, mm-hmm. which we appreciate. Don't understand why other people won't give him that credit, but that's for another time and another story. But it came off really well and really classy. He right. didn't need a hologram, and it was him. It looked like it was footage from the Welcome to America shows that were done at the Garden and uh, Nassau Coliseum, formerly in Jersey. Uh, but it came off really well. And those the videos, to me, are just better than a freaking hologram. And you had the MPG backing him up, playing along with him because the vocals were isolated. It came off really well. Right. That's all I'm saying about that. Now, speaking of Paisley Park, another thing... <laughs> That's going down is this battle of the bands that they're having from August 31st through September 3rd. They have finalists for the bands right now, which are Cosmos, Illism, Foe, The Night Owls, Black Alley, Leisha Julius, Anonymous, The Band, Radio Church, and Purple Funk Metropolis. So it's spanning six states and cities, including Seattle, Austin, 
Washington, New York, Atlanta, and Minneapolis. A few for, for, are from Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Now, each night between August 31st and September 2nd, three artists will perform for a live audience at Paisley Park with one winner being selected each night to advance to the final band battle on Sunday, September 3rd. Between these three finalists, one artist will be crowned by champion. Crown the champion will receive a unique artist development award package consisting of studio recording time at Paisley Park, a mentorship session with members of Prince's supergroup, the new power generation, and additional career development opportunities to be announced post-competition. Each night, it costs $100 to attend these Battle of the Bands, but you also get a tour of Paisley, not a VIP tour and not the ultimate tour, but you are getting these things. You know, some people have been critical of it. It's called musicology. I think this is something that Prince would have had happen, wanted to have happen. I do think a Battle of the Bands is quite unique and quite different, and you're trying to keep paisley fresh with ideas i don't know mm. how you feel about it but some people are like oh prince wouldn't be down for it. i'm like actually i think he would because foe played at paisley park before yeah. and he was having local bands perform there what do you think of this and that they're going to be allowing studio time for the winners of this i think if paisley? i didn't know any better i'd say somebody got into the computer and saw some of the old um files that we had yeah, because after we finished See? building Paisley, we he told us to all sit and think about and submit him ideas about what we should do. Mm-hmm. Amongst those ideas was an idea that's very similar to that, right? Which was basically to bring back the concept of of people playing live and to have it in a contest based thing, and to basically make one of the prizes studio time. And, and basically to have a, a music experience to grow what they're doing right. there and have tutelage there. So, you know, uh, I, w- I think it's great. It's good. If they, if, they, if they originally thought of it or if they found the files, hey, it's cool. Do it. It's, that's what the place is there for. It's a magical place. It's for making music. It's for developing people's uh, uh, talents. And, and that's why he was doing it that's why i assume he had us come out there and do the first stage of this that's why he was doing everything he was doing to prepare it to be of use right this place was not built on accident it was built intentionally and so uh, as as much as over the years the different size of the staffing had changed and and the different uses at the end of the day you know, he developed and released a lot of great music ideas and, and everything from that location. And it has very special meaning. And most creatives need to experience someplace like that where you can come in and freely create your idea from start to finish. That was the concept behind some of the ways in which we put the graphics room together and and, and put the, the, you know, redid the room where they made the clothes and everything you know, and he had the weight room there and the, the whole thing with the, the Pilates table and all that. All those things were there because he was, it, it was no different than a pro athlete. No different than a pro athlete. Just surrounding yourself with the things you need to, to, to do what you do. Right. And, and in his case, the thing was to be able to create. You know, the, the way that we saw it work was that once we finished and he was able to go up into the graphics room and work on an album cover and then come down and toss the the cd with the with the with the picture and the names of the songs on the console and say we're going to work on this tonight 
And then, like I said, it called Michael, called a couple other people, and then we don't leave the studio till 10.30 the next morning, but all the songs that are on that CD are done, and we're we're finished, and and, and it, that that's some strong intention, you know. Right. And so, to just to see that, and then to see the other things that can give birth to, I, I think it's great. And and you know, I I would just hope that when these things go on, as much as I think that the museum is a great thing to have, uh-huh. I would hope that when these things happen there is some way that it at feeds back around so that the family is the one who is is touches this because uh-huh. that needs to happen too it needs to have their blessing because you know it's just like like we talked about last week even even the thing down to it'd be nice to be able to take a tour of paisley and go into the gift shop and be able to buy official t-shirts right it, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to buy official T-shirts from the official place where he lived. Right. Right. That 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 only seems fitting. But you know, am I? I'm a, am I a, being an asshole for saying that? No, I'm not. I'm just uh-huh. being realistic because this is the place, and so for them to do something to give new artists an opportunity is something that he did. But it helps when the family's in place and the family shows up and 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 that that's what makes it real too yeah that's what makes it real too so i think it's good but i think as long as there's you know sharing the activity and the things that go on you know not that's nothing against the museum again this is just a uh, you asked me a question this is an observation it's not a criticism yeah i feel he wanted it yeah it's what's happening i think it's a great idea now speaking of the paisley park tour we're going to stay on Paisley for a story more or two. You finally get the ultimate Paisley Park Tour review of it that's mm-hmm. only on Mondays, and it's $160. It's advertised as three hours. Apparently, one of the first uh, reviewers, which talked with John Bream of the Star Tribune, mm-hmm. said it was more closer to three hours and 35 minutes, and it may have been even longer if he went, if he would have actually sat down and enjoyed his vegetarian meal. Mm-hmm. And then... um you know, he said that he's made it to Paisley Park a few times and that they also were able to hold the guitar, mm-hmm. which we did at the if you had VIP passes for the celebration this year, you're able to hold the blue Stratocaster that he played at the Super Bowl, the light blue. Mm-hmm. That one, we held it with gloves. So they had that. Then you were also uh, allowed just more access other places in a lounge a little bit more mm-hmm. and, then, and then the recording studios and the mixing consoles they also brought up in the editing room that they were playing some stuff from the paisley park panels at this celebration this year mm-hmm. so you can hear stuff like that um and again this is only taking place on mondays and it's for a limited time we just don't know how long mm-hmm. and again with the recording studios in the editing room they sat on their director chair director's chairs they were advised not to sit on princess purple couch and again, like I said, they they watched clips of the panel discussion with ex Prince Simon for the celebration. Mm. It doesn't really say who, but they were able to to play ping pong on Princess Table in Studio B, which we were allowed to do as well with that VIP tour. That's cool. Um, and Mitch, Mitch is a good guy. I met at Paisley. He's trying to get everything running right there, running mm. better. Uh, really like the guy. And he just said that he didn't know Prince personally, but he helped him get to know himself, which is really cool. 
And then also talked about in Prince's office, which we were already aware of. And Afshin kind of contacted me about this, about his daughter, Yara Shahidi, who's on the TV show Blackish, that there's a photo of her in Prince's office. Oh, that's cool. You know, and then Mitch would like kind of quiz them on some things that happened there or what other things were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they have have added more items in recent weeks, including Prince's Super Bowl guitar and outfit, as well as the purple carbon filter guitar made for him by British luthier Gus Farmer, which was the guitar that he showed five days before he passed yeah. that Gus made him years before, but it just got to him. Uh you know, just seeing your lounge, you're able to lounge more in the MPG music club room and sip on raspberry smoothies. And then uh, they were showed a bejeweled Prince cane that you couldn't touch and had written lyrics to an unnamed song. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that too, but maybe they were able to get a little bit closer. So all told, they feel that this tour is clearly superior to the VIP package. That's for a hundred dollars and the regular tours. But um, they said it's not an idea of an ultimate Paisley experience. They expected something extra special, such as a Prince Insider as a tour guide Mm -hmm. and a parting gift like an exclusive poster or T-shirt, something you can't buy at the ever-expanding Paisley Merchant. That's not a bad idea if you're going to get that tour Mm -hmm. to kind of have like a special poster or a T-shirt that you took it. Yeah. You know, Yeah. Yeah. but... The four people that took the tour, John Bream asked him if the $160 was worth it, and they all said yes. That's good. So, as long as as long as they're cool with it, it's cool. You know, I know I I paid for the what was then the tour of tours or whatever, and it was it was uh, accelerated price, but it seemed like it was the same tour everybody was taking. So you know, but again, I. I for me, I, I look, I I that place is burned into my head, so. Right. I I just uh I would go just to to go and and be able to uh say hi to the studio. Yeah. Say hi to the building. Um I spent a lot of time there, you know, with it on Mothball and with it fully working and so I just, you know, I have a special love for the place, you yeah. know, and I have uh you know, nothing but uh great memories there. And uh you know, I, I think it's good whatever they can do and whatever they can generate. Right. As long as long as it, you know, it meets the requirement and, and settles everybody in, you know, now, that's what it's there for. Yeah, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, something that may not have been recorded there live mm-hmm. was filmed at Paisley Park, which is the side of the times movie which Mm -hmm. now is going to be on Showtime starting in October, and fans are really excited about that. I have an officially released from a few years ago, a Japanese DVD costing around $120 with special um, postcards or other things in there, and the sound, it's HD, everything is just absolutely incredible. I hope that's what they're getting, Mm -hmm. you know, because that was the only way it was officially released. There are a bunch of bootleg copy dvds that making it that say made in canada made in australia they're not really official Mm -hmm. but and i don't know what this deal with showtime is bringing to the estate or paisley but it's kind of cool that's on there i kind of wish that access tv or someone else would have bid on it and that could have been 
rotation more so than Showtime, which is yeah. a paid channel out here. And it's debuting in October. I think Showtime is behind that big Mayweather-McGregor fight about to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I know so many of Prince's tours were professionally filmed, including Musicology, to where they even made a DVD case for it and a booklet yeah. and yeah. was amazing looking. And I, I was able to see it, and I'm so thankful that I don't have it. But I really wish that something like the Musicology Tour would have been officially released on DVD. I know that's in the vault, but I'm sure there's so many others. But I'm just glad that the time he was able to get signed, the time's out. You know, we may not have got a tour in the U.S., but at least we got that. You know? Um, so. On this episode... What up, what up? Hey, everyone! Excuse me on that. Uh, now, Prince Estate, that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to look at that article right now. You know, they're going through stuff. There's an investigation now going on that nullified deal with Universal Music Group mm -hmm. for $31 million for Prince's Vault. Wow. Now, um, that's good. Yeah. They, they have to come with a decision by December 15th, you know, that now, were the people. What's the decision they got to come up with? That if they were aware, if Bremer Trust and the advisors were aware of the Warner Brothers deal and the language involved in it. Do you think it really takes from now to December to really figure that out? To be honest and truthful? No. Okay. And what's interesting is, is this lawyer that's being paid to investigate it, uh, he's making about, it's anywhere between 300 to three, I think it's $300 an hour. Yeah, but ask what the other lawyers who were the experts were making. When they were contemplating right. all this, they were probably making between now. four and five hundred an hour. Mm -hmm. And and well, here's my here's my question: in the time since his death to the time since the discovery of the discrepancy, or let's not even say the discovery of the discrepancy. Let's just say the loss, because that's what it is. It's a loss. If it costs me between two experts. $500 an hour, let's just do it for a year times two. If that's how much a loss costs, what the fuck does a win cost? I, I just want to know, if, yeah. if, if this is a money thing, how much does it cost? I just, I just like to know. I just like to know myself. You well, know. We'll, we'll find out when all is said and done. By December 15th or on December 15th. Hey. But I just wish that we were finding out when the music was going back up for auction from the vault. You now, know, I, I my hope is that if, if that date that they're giving is really meaning something, if something's going to come of it, then, then make something come of it. But, you know, we're, we're, we're so far removed from this that, um, I mean, the, the court would probably do better just to, you know, I mean, man, it's, it's so hard because what it is, it's just like an open wound and everybody just keeps rubbing it. Right. Right. And you still have a family that at the end of the day is trying to heal. They're right. trying to heal uh, both uh, psychologically and, and also they're trying to heal uh, emotionally. They're trying to also heal in structure. Because these are situations where they were trusting the experts to take them through the murky water. They had no idea 
that anything else was at play. Right. You know what I mean? So the the hardest part is that, man, uh, even in getting to justice, if that's really what you're going to get to, um, can bring you something. Is it, What's the cost of it? Because every day that you're searching now for justice, who's paying that? Who's paying that? Who's paying the time to 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 see if we can confirm that the person that got it wrong or the persons that got it wrong uh, got it number one got it wrong on purpose or got it wrong on accident or they just having a trial because they got caught because it's, it's kind of like little kids do you you know right you mad because you got caught or you upset because you know I, I I just don't get it man I don't get it some things are pretty obvious and um, you know hey and and hey and and I, i'm not trying to bring heat on you so you asked me the question ah. i just told you and um i'm just going off of what is is painfully obvious how do you right. get paid that much money to be an expert and you're not aware of all the documents in play how do you not look at everything how do you not say or keep everything totally transparent and you're you dealing with the biggest artists of the world and all you have to do is dot the i's cross the t's and make sure everything is legit how do you go oops my bad how do you go it's not my fault it's their fault how do you how do you do that because during his life if you were charged with doing something coming up with uh Somebody must be hearing me answer right now and calling you and, and upset. I better shut up, huh? Your yeah. phone's ringing off the hook. Take whatever you want. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. how do you, how do you you know? Again, I go go back to in his life, we we were charged with a lot of responsibility, and that's everybody from attorneys to whoever. And and while yes, he could be a taskmaster, he could be all those things. But the bottom line is that you were there to handle your business and take care of your lane. Your lane is thick enough. All of our lanes were thick enough with responsibility to do that stuff so that at the end of the day, when you did it, you were cool. Job well done. And he did the rest. What did he do? He came through and he was himself and he walked on the work that we did and went out there and did what audience paid that ticket money for to see a superstar and hear that music. And and that's the collective thing that it did. So... If everybody else can get it right in life, how is it that the most well-paid person in the room is usually the legal folks? How is it that they get the option of messing up? Right. And then who are you going to blame? If anything, I want to see the blame game. I want to see I want to see who's in the room pointing at who's going in. I didn't wasn't my fault, it's his fault. Wasn't my fault, it's her fault. I want to see that trial. Right. When we gonna have that trial, or when you know, I mean, I, I don't like, want to see I'm, any I'm, more I'm trials. Look, man, I'm for frontier <laughs> justice, man. Sometimes you just want to see folks drug behind the stagecoach, hmm. you know, because it's just, you know, we're at a time, man, when it's when it's just really uncomfortable to see things, and and somebody trying, you know, as the old folks say, don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. Right. Right. So, you know, don't ask no more questions like that, man. I was cool until you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go on this, so I don't know. Oh. You may be offended by this one. <laughs> now, TMZ hit up with a story today. We're, we're gonna, we'll talk about that a little bit and see what you uh-huh. think. They're saying Princess Sound Engineer makes eight-figure offer for Massive Music Vault. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about it is 
They say Prince's former sound engineer is claiming victory over the estate in their battle over song rights. At the same time, the engineer made an eight-figure offer to own Prince's enormously valuable music vault. Uh, they say George Boxhill was, claims the late singer gave him the masters and the rights to a number of Prince's, Prince's published songs, which Boxhill also claims he wrote. Um, you know, we all know about that deliverance, the subject mm. of prolonged litigation. Right. Now, with the steel, they're saying now... Here's where it gets good. Sources connected to Box Hill tell TMZ Box Hill and his music label, RMA, recently made a $10 million offer to the cash-strapped estate. Mm -hmm. To the cash-strapped estate, not the estate, right. for the entire vault of unreleased music. Bar right. sources say they were turned down flat. There are also reports Jay-Z offered $40 million, but her total is way less and was for the entire catalog. Mm -hmm. And Universal actually made the $31 million deal as far as we know. And now they said they reached out to various lawyers for the estates so far. No, we're no back. comment. So how did this story get out? I, I think, I think this story along with like a lot of others is, is something that's crafted much like the emails I spoke of in the first interview. I think you have people out there who try and control public opinion by, uh, releasing stuff. First of all, it's TMZ. Second of all, you know, the, chronologically, I think they have their facts screwed up. Uh, third of all, let's look at it for what it is. Um, you have a deal that has gone awry for thirty-one million. Uh, I don't know anybody who, if they were going to make an offer, would insult the very people they were making the offer to by calling them cash strap. So, right. first of all, that 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 right there means that you're kind of implying that they're stupid. Because they would they would make a statement like that if they're making that statement or if it's just TMZ uh, flavored language. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are in a situation where this thing, this this entity, this thirty one million is a null and void deal. If somebody were to come in right now and offer something, they would probably offer that. Why? Because whoever handled the thing and did it and did it in such a way whereas they've devalued what was there and again if you never had an accurate value placed on it then when you come to try and sell something again you now are trying to sell something that you've already sold once at a devalued number that you never had an evaluation for and now you are wondering why you're going to get a $10 million. That's That's called a starting offer. That's called here's something, and, and there will probably be other people that come to the table with some things as well. Right. But that's, that's also called business, and that's what happens when, it, when it's this far down the line. You know, again, these are the byproducts of a, of a situation where because it was his stuff, the expectation was high that it be handled well and that it be handled soundly. And Universal is a sound company. Okay? Right. So this is taking nothing away from Universal. Right. But when you mess up something like that, you've got a big uphill climb to try and make that right. So sitting up here re releasing a story or 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 whatever whatever purpose it is to talk about this situation now 
when you don't, it doesn't even say when the offer was made. It just tries to throw it out there to try and, and, and shame somebody. And it's like, huh. they, they don't even understand the nature of it. And, and, you know, I can speak to this lightly, which I will do because I won't get heated. And I'll speak to it, you know, seriously by saying Ian's a, a great engineer and a, a great trusted person. Um, I know because I was the one that hired him and brought him out there. Why did I hire him and bring him out there? Because I brought him out with me on everything I've done with his major clients. And it's always been situations where we've hit home runs and made hit records. So I don't have any problem uh, standing behind Ian or anything else that's going on. And I, under, I understand fully what's happening when I, when I read TMZ released stuff and when I look at the ballistics of what's been going on with the... Uh, chronology we'll put it like that so before i get heated and pop a gasket uh because <laughs> you know how i feel about this i i just i just think it's part of the same thing man if 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 this is really something that's about something that's positive it will go through and it will be unleashed to the world and there'll be royalty streams and everybody will benefit if this is something right. that is just, oh, it's a figment. But look, th there's no bigger story than the loss of the 31 million. So whatever this is, this ain't nothing but something that has to be negotiated through and eventually will probably be re released. Right. The biggest pile in the room is that $31 million smoldering thing that's sitting there and that has to be dealt with that's right. all it is so any other distracting stories that everybody wants to put out they can put it keep putting it out there it's time to get on to the positive things or what are we going to do to make sure that this man's work is talked about in the correct fashion that people remember and memorialize this all over the world whenever they can what are we going to do to be positive about what's going on man and to support the family what are we going to do? And and that that's really what it's about. That's part of why why we do the PRN alumni thing. You know, I hate to you know go right into a plug, but the bottom line is, you know, the 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 closure we all want to feel, but the love we also feel for the opportunity that we all had. Um and and we saw it in the music and the way it touched everybody as we would tour the world or see whatever or hear the records being played and see the result it had on people. So Right. I, I think it's it's, you know, stories like this, they, they are what they are. But you have to look at strategically the timing behind them. You have to look at the words. I mean, we could go and do a whole show about about when you read something, what it is you're reading, because, it, you know, there's a lot of levels. Fans right. read it and they take it as gospel. Right. Well, it got to TMZ. It must be true. You don't even know the person. You don't know anything about what's going on. Nobody. And, and but they'll make snap judgments like that. And, and and so it's like wow this is this is cold you know and and because this person is just doing what they're doing they're, they they don't have the ability to defend themselves so you court a public opinion you know and that's this is this is just this is the what this is the kind of society that we all have helped to breed right now what i'll call the clapback society because everybody wants to have something to say everybody wants to clap back and have a response you know and uh sometimes you just got to let things play out man let the, let all these things play out and that stuff that is about something and meaningful 
will rise to the top and it'll turn into what it needs to right. and be an asset for the family and the fans will love it and the other stuff will, will just sing by the wayside and it'll go away. Amen. Now, <laughs> lastly, we're getting to something positive here. Yeah. Uh, about the PRN alumni event that's happening in September. You have still Thursday, September 7th. Yeah. Yeah, the PRNM Alumni Foundation inaugural benefit featuring Grammy-nominated musical trio King. This is in Minneapolis. Yep. You get a VIP experience. There'll be a silent auction with some really amazing items there. Music and memories, and it's at the Machine Shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's right. Open to the public, and tickets are available at prnalumni.org. Yep. Then <clears throat> Sunday, September 9th, something that you're going to be part of. Uh, Saturday, 12 p.m. Saturday, excuse me, Saturday, September 9th. Yep. Uh, stories from inside the park, Paisley Park alumni panels discussing engineering, fashion, record label, and innovation with the Q&A. Now, I know it's you, Scotty Baldwin, Paul Peterson's going to be up in there. So it's going to be really, really very informative. Yeah. So, guys, go and support it. Tickets are available to the public yep, as and, well. And we start the we start the engineering discussion at twelve noon. Yeah. Um, we also have Hans coming in from from uh, Germany. Awesome. And so that's going to be really good. And we've got Paul Peterson. Yeah. So that'd be good. We've got a really uh, good good list of folks, and um, it's going to be fun. Our, our panel starts at twelve noon, right when everything opens up. So it's going to be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing whatever fans come out and we'll try and give you as much as possible in the way of answers on the technicals and whatever we can do i'm just looking forward to being on a panel with some of my friends i'm looking forward to meeting hans for the first time and meeting susan rogers for the first time I, right i spent susan a lot of time studying students susan's work and just studying the early things that were going on in his career before i came up there and um you know i just think it's great man it's great when all these people from all these years can get together and talk and i'm yeah. really excited about it i'm I'm happy to do what we're doing here yeah. and, and uh, co-host and answer questions and and uh keeping it keeping it cool man yeah and, uh, you and this know. is for the 30th anniversary of paisley park being that's right open, yeah. you know and 30 years since its construction for people who do not know the short version of the mission for the pr and alumni they're to support youth programs dedicated to the education, enrichment, and expression of music and the arts, support urban farming initiatives, and help alumni members in need. So it also helps with charities that Prince was behind as well. Exactly. So this is a great, great thing. If you're in Minneapolis, if you're in the area, get there. There's also new merchandise available that just debuted, made by David Schwartz, a.k.a. DBS, from the mm -hmm. Funky Bald Heads. You also have it was designed by Steve Park. Steve Park is going to be at the Grove uh, in L.A. doing a book signing September 21st. Andy Allo is playing Hotel Cafe this Saturday for people who don't want to watch the McGregor Mayweather fight. Also in Philly in September, you got Sheila E., The Time, and Questlove doing a free show as a Prince tribute. Uh, just make sure you get up on that. But support the PR and alumni. Yep. I want to thank you guys so much for listening for subscribing for donating i know dave wants me to get on those t-shirts for Falconberry. yeah man I, we're gonna I'm be doing that t-shirt man uh <laughs> donate whatever you want we'll get to it dave thank you so much for being here thank you for having me man. sorry for some of the the questions not being always to your liking but we got to switch it up a little bit on hey here. And, I, and if I, and if i answered too intense for some folks uh, i'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm you know 
I think it's all good. <laughs> like an Eskimo chill. It's all good. It's all good, man. All right. Cool. Thank you, everyone. Much love. Keep it funky. Till next time. Later.